भद्रम कर्णेसृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुवागंसनु व्यशेम देवितयदायु स्वस्ती न इंद्रो वृद्धस्रवा स्वस्ती न पूषा विश्वेदस्ती नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शांति 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 हरि ओ may we hear with our ears what is auspicious may we see with our eyes what is auspicious while praying with steady limbs may we attain the life span allotted to us may indra bestow well being on us may pushan the god of earth who is all knowing bestow well being on us may garura the destroyer of evil bestow well-being on us may brihaspati also bestow well-being on us om peace 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 so today we will commence the study of the mundaka upanishad mantra by mantra from the very first mantra we will start in the first part of the mundaka the first chapter the first mantra let us read by studying by chanting the mantra and then we will follow with the discussion om brahma devanam prathama sambhuva vishvasya karta bhuvanasya gopta sa brahma vidyang sarva vidya pratishtham atharvaya ज्येष्ठ पुत्राय प्राह सो वॉट इट इज सेंग इट स्टार्ट विथ ओम ऑल द मंत्रस स्पेशली इन द उपनिषद वी फाइंड दट इट स्टार्ट विथ ओम द ऑस्पेशियस साउंड ऑफ द ओम एंड देन इट स्पीक्स ऑफ ब्रह्मा देवानांग प्रथम संभव सो इट इज ब्रह्मा who is the first among devas let us first read the first translate the literal meaning and then we will go to the discussion to the significance in details so brahma was the first among the devas brahma devanang prathama so brahma not brahman so there is a difference between the brahman brahma and brahma so brahma is the cosmic mind the ultimate conscious principle when finds expression as the universe it finds expression as the hiranyagarbha brahma's another name is hiranyagarbha what it means we know that all the birth happens from the womb so garbha is the womb hiranya means luminous so brahma has been designated as hiranya garbha why it is not just like an biological womb hiranya which speaks of effulgence it speaks of knowledge it speaks of effulgence so the first evolute we won't say evolute the first yeah evolute in a sense that after the ignorance there is no change for the brahman the absolute reality so the brahman when finds expression as the universe its first expression is as the cosmic mind the hiranya garbha that is being designated as brahma he comes first and the entire creation is the contemplation the mental contemplation of brahma it is just his tapas his austerity in the form of meditation the entire creation is the thought vibration of brahma so he is the first 
the deva the deva actually we think we say that in hindu there are hinduism there are so many gods and goddesses actually the word deva came from div dhatu which means with that which illumines so it means the indriyas in one in our as the in the microcosm in the individual aspect because it is the sense organs which reveals so they are the devas and as per the cosmic aspect is concerned the devas are all the forces of nature these forces of nature are the deva these forces of nature has been personalized as the various divine beings so all the various forces of nature the various aspects of nature comes later first the entire creation came from the mind from the cosmic mind it's all intelligence so it's not matter which is finding expression as intelligence by the conglomeration of matter the intelligence has evolved that idea even in science we find is gradually dwindling is that from the intelligence the entire creation came and that cosmic mind brahma he is the first from that the other aspects of the nature the devas they all evolved so brahma is the first brahma devanam prathama he is the first among the devas sambhuva vishvasya karta he is the creator of the entire universe vishvasya karta the creator of the entire universe bhuvanasya gopta and after creation he is he who sustains the universe he is the protector the one who is sustaining the entire universe he creates and he sustains so vishvasya karta bhuvanasya gopta so he is the adi guru being the cosmic intelligence from which the entire creation has emanated naturally the all the knowledge pertaining to the creation is in him because from him the creation came so how to evolve into nature into the universe and again how the as a human being we can again get established in our real nature so for that so this evolution and involution the knowledge of both is inherent in brahma the cosmic mind from here from him the entire creation has evolved in him again it will merge so he is the one who is the brahma vidya sarva vidya pratishtham so he is the one who knows the the knowledge the science of brahman how to get established in our real nature that's the knowledge for which brahma is the adi guru so he is the one what he did sa brahma vidya sarva vidya pratishtham atharvaya jyesth putraya praha so here the upanishad will start with the lineage that how the knowledge of the brahman came to be known to the human kind so it is not some from the fertile imagination of the human brain it's from the cosmic mind that knowledge was instructed to atharva that's the uh, here this the, to his eldest son atharva is the eldest son of brahma so he taught brahma taught this knowledge to his jyestha putra his eldest son whose name was atharva you know that one of the vedas is atharva veda so this atharva the son the eldest son is atharva to whom this knowledge was imparted so this is the idea that first came from the conscious principle first came the intelligence that's the hiranyagarbha that's the uh, that's the womb of the entire creation which is illumination which is illumination that's what is hiranya shining as gold it speaks of the intelligence so from that 
intelligence, cosmic intelligence, the entire creation came. So we find while interpreting the word Brahma, we find that Shankaracharya in his commentary speaks of the four were these attributes which in which actually speaks of the attributes of Brahma by which he surpasses all, excels all, excels all. So what are those four virtues, four uh, attributes? First is the virtue. So he is the one in whom is uh, imbibed all the virtues. He is the inheritor of all the virtues. So what's the real idea? The idea is the absolute cosmic principle. When finds expression as the intelligence, as the cosmic intelligence, it finds expression as rhythm. Absolute reality, which is being designated as Om. That Om, the absolute reality, finds expression as energy, Shakti, Rim. That rim again is not chaotic. The entire universe is an expression of energy which has emanated from the cosmic mind. And that energy is not chaotic. That one of the very famous quotation of Einstein is the most incomprehensive, his very famous quotation. What is that quotation? The most incomprehensible fact of the universe is that it is comprehensible. The most incomprehensible fact of the universe is that it is comprehensible. What he's speaking of? See, we as a human being, such a small creature, as if crawling on the surface of the earth, as per space is concerned, we are a minuscule with compared to the entire universe, nothing. But somehow, we have the intelligence by which we can decipher the working of the universe and we can do it precisely. That our science have become so developed that a satellite can be launched from the earth's surface to do a soft landing on the Mars. Not only that, there's a rover that's going around the Mars, sending photos, pictures, videos, what it speaks of. That how is it possible that this law of gravitation, which is valid in the Earth's surface, is equally valid in Mars, anywhere in the universe. So it enables me to calculate the force by which the rocket has to be ejected, by which it has it can land everything to the precision we can do. The entire universe, so vast in space, we can measure the magnetic field. It is we find the laws of the magnetism is valid everywhere. Gravitation valid everywhere. They're universal. So what it speaks of, that when the cosmic intelligence finds expression as energy, that energy is not chaotic. It's rhythmic. It follows certain laws. Rhythm. That this laws in Sanskrit is called rhythm. Rhythm is satyam. Why it is satyam? What is truth? Truth is something which you cannot transgress. Law is something which cannot be transgressed. If you can transgress a law, it is, no, it is not a law. So these, the laws which has been uh, formulated by that cosmic intelligence is something which is rhythm, satyam. None can break it. And that's why he is the one who is the inheritor of all the virtues. In him is imbibed on the virtues. Because the entire universe is bound by those laws which emanates from him. None can break it. As so many times we give that example that when uh, there's the laws of gravitation, just say, 
if it doesn't depend on my believing whether i believe in the laws of gravitation or not it is there it is there to act upon me if someone says i don't believe in gravitation he's not going to fly if he jumps from a 20 story building he will just crash and die so i cannot break the laws in our attempt to break the laws we break ourselves so now you will understand that why it is being indicated that the cosmic intelligence the brahma is the one who imbibes all the virtues because all the laws which emanates from him is something which everyone has to follow there is no question of breaking the law in our attempt to break the law we will be breaking ourselves it's not only the physical laws even you will find in all the religions they speak of commandments they speak of vidhis and nishedhas all those things are not something mere make believe it's not something that i believe so i follow them i don't believe so i won't follow them it's not like that they are the laws if i follow them well my life will be integrated if i don't follow them my life is bound to be disintegrated today or tomorrow some in some way or other just that example which we give again and again swami vivekananda was in the west delivering lecture on vedanta and he was speaking of renunciation discipline as the virtue that it is something which is needed for the integrity of our life our individual life as well as the social life and suddenly someone stood up from the audience and almost stopped the lecture he just suddenly in loud voice he interrupted swami ji and commented what was his comment swami ji swami ji it seems you are from the medieval age in a society this free society of america you are lecturing and you are speaking of renunciation it's a medieval idea is an ideology of the medieval ages it seems you have came from the medieval ages preaching us of renunciation being interrupted swami ji stopped his lecture went near that person and what he told was something very significant prattle babes prattle yours is just 200 years civilization have a civilization as old as ours then you will understand the true significance of renunciation so very interesting now after the passing away of swami ji it's now just 150 years at the most and when he delivered the lecture from them it is not even 125 years we find that his words do have a significance i saw a movie when i was in india it was produced it is produced by the american government to create awareness among the students in america the name of the movie is 2 million minutes if you convert 2 million minutes into years you will find it is almost 4 years 2 million minutes is almost approximately 4 years so it speaks of it's the movie is about 4 years in a student's life the one who is in the ninth standard who has just been promoted to the ninth standard in another 4 years he will be in the 12th class or the 12th standard 12th level whatever it may be and that's the time his academic course will be decided his further studies as per his higher studies are concerned in university in what course he is going to get admitted that will be decided after that 4 years so this movie is actually to create awareness among the american students so what that movie actually is showing this movie was meant to be shown in all the schools to the students so very interesting that movie i have seen when i was in india it kharagpur iit 2 million minutes so it the first scene it shows that three students are being interviewed one is from india one is from america and one is from china and all of them 
the inter the interviewer asks them that after two million minutes, after four years, what the course you want to pursue, what's your aim, what's your goal? Now, this movie was actually uh, to promote uh, admission in engineering college. That's why it was in IIT Kharagpur. So the, all the three students of class ninth standard, this answered the same that they want to get admitted into the reputed engineering college, technological college of their country. The American student says that he wants to get admitted at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. The Indian student wants to get admitted in IIT. And the Chinese student also wants to get admitted in one of the most reputed engineering college, technological college of China. So now they start showing their life. This, First, they show the life of the American student. He's a teenager, of course he's a teenager. He's in the ninth standard. He goes to school, comes back. His education is limited just to going to school and coming back. What he does in school, he only knows. After coming back, he has started socializing. Now he's independent. For him, independence means freedom of the senses. From him, freedom means freedom of the senses. He has no idea that actual freedom means freedom from the senses, not freedom of the senses. Now for him, freedom is freedom of the senses. He's socializing, mixing with the friends. He's already a teenager. So he has made it sure that no one has right to impose anything upon him. That what the country has uh, given him the right. Well and good, he's enjoying his life. The Indian student is something different. We find that the mother is there to be very strict, like the tiger mother she is. She makes it sure that the child, though spent some time with the friends, has to come back. And every day has some stipulated hour for his studies. Not only that, before exam, that hours increases and he's not even allowed to come to the dining table. The food comes to his study table so that the time is not wasted. And the Chinese student is also almost the same like the Indian student. That's what they show. And now two million minutes is over. Now the interviewer will go back again to ask whether they have achieved their goal. The Indian student has almost achieved the goal. Though he had not got chance in the IIT, he has got chance in a very reputable technological institute and is happy. The Chinese student also has got, has reached his goal, he's happy. And now the American student first, they show that he's happy. He's again, he's socializing, he's spending his time with his friends, he's really enjoying his life. So now after showing that, the interviewer goes and asks, oh, you're so happy. It seems you have uh, got chance uh, in your engineering college, what you were uh, willing to. And then he says, no, no, no. I couldn't manage to get through uh, the entrance exam. I couldn't get through the MIT. I couldn't get admitted to MIT, but I'm happy. I'm studying in some local college uh, and I'm happy. Some of some subjects he has all, of course taken and he's happy, he's continuing his studies. He's socializing, he's happy. Now the, the one who is concerned is the American government. After showing this, there's a big question mark in the screen. What is the question mark for? This American government is now asking the students, this movie is meant for the students of, the, of America. The American government is asking the students, will you be happy just in merrymaking? Just see, we own all the multinationals. They, all the big corporates, we are the one who are the owner. But now just see for the CEO, who, who are the CEO? It's the Asians, as Indians, the Chinese. So will you be satisfied with the way of life you're leading? Though it, you have the scope to really be a responsible citizen by holding onto this position, but just see, it's all the ones from the Asian countries, they're coming and holding the posts of the CEO and all the higher positions because there is no one who is capable to hold that post. So just to create this awareness, this movie is being made by the, produced by the American government. Now relate this 
movie with that sentence of Swamiji. When he was interrupted during his lecture that he's coming as if from a medieval world, what he told? Prattle, babes prattle. Yours is just 200 years civilization. Have a civilization as old as ours, then you will understand the true purpose of renunciation. So what we are speaking of here? The laws. That yes, do's and don'ts are fixed. We may think that we have progressed as a civilization and all those outdated values are of no use. I don't believe in them. Just the way if I say I don't believe in gravitation doesn't make you fly. Similarly, not believing on those perennial values doesn't mean that you can enjoy the life as you want. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, when someone asked, is there something called absolute truth? He told, yes. His answer was something very, very simple. That if you eat chili, you're bound to feel that hot sensation. Whether you take the chili in your plate or not, it is your choice. But I will have the chili, enjoy its flavor, bereft of that hot sensation. It's not going to happen. If you have the chili, you're bound to have. If you don't have the chili, well and good. So the choice is ours, whether we follow the laws or not. But laws are laws, they cannot be broken. In the present world, previously we will find our old civilization. They had an understanding with the nature. They had a respect for the nature. And in the 20th century, that famous quotation of Francis Bacon, that knowledge is power. Sometimes we think it's a very nice quotation, but actually it is a very devilish quotation. When the background in which he quoted that is something very, very heinous. What was the background? That the mother nature has a lot of wealth, but she won't give it to you willingly. You have to force it out. And knowledge is that force, that power by which you can force out, you can take out the fuel from the, from the ground. The way we have started exploiting the nature, that reverential attitude towards the nature has gone. In all the old culture, the nature was worshipped. We had an understanding with the nature. And with the science, we thought those all are bogus. We have to extract the nature. And just in 200 years, we just see we are almost in the brink of annihilation with all the natural catastrophe happening because of all the this global warming, all the climate change which is happening and the consequences which are facing has become something a palpable fact. So again, the same truth that he is the one who is the upholder of all virtue. And that's what he wants all of us to follow that. He's strict about it. We cannot break it in any way. So that's why Brahma is the one who is, who excels all other in virtue because he's the one from him, all the virtue ensues. He is the one who represents the knowledge because he's the collective intelligence. The entire creation has emanated from his mind. So he is the one who is the storehouse of virtue, of knowledge, at the same time, detachment. Because just the way the one who has programmed the computer game is knows that it is something which is a virtual reality. The programmer is in no way attached to it. He knows that it is something which is a projection. It is something which is virtual. So similarly, the thing which is emanated from Brahma's mind, he knows it is a projection. As such, it is not real. So as it is a projection, it in no way affects him. As he's always identified, though the creation came out from him, he's always identified in the real nature. The, the Brahman, he's always identified with the Brahman. As a result, what happens? He can easily find out that the entire creation is a being a mere projection can in no way affect him. Just the way 
the mirage which I see in the desert. It appears such a huge reservoir, such a huge reservoir, but it doesn't have the capacity to drench even a single sand particle of the desert. Does that reservoir have the capacity to drench even a single sand particle? No, because it's a projection. Just the way the snake which I see in the rope, that snake has no power to bite that rope. Does it have? No, it's a projection. So this speaks of the detachment. He knows it's a mere projection. So in no way it can affect him. And all the splendor belongs to him. Because the, nothing can excel the creator. And the creation can in no way excel the creator. So that's why the Brahma, who is Brahma? That's Shankaracharya is designating these four qualities. He is the one who is the most virtuous, who is omniscient. He is the one who is the representation of the entire knowledge because from him, the entire universe has emanated. So he is the collective intelligence, the knowledge. At the same time, he is always detached and all the splendor, the glory belongs to him. So that's the Brahma. So, which, who actually has uh, been represented as a Prathama Devana. He's the first among gods. Because all the individual aspects of nature can never be greater than the one who projected it, isn't it? All other forces of nature is just a particular aspect of the cosmic intelligence. So he is the one who is Prathama Devanam. He is the first among the gods. First he comes. Then the other aspects of nature evolve from him. So Sambhubhuva means he became perfectly manifest. The Bhuva means to manifest. When I say Sambhubhuva, it speaks to manifest perfectly. What, what does it mean by perfect manifestation? So all the, in the entire world takes birth under the impulsion of virtue and vice, all other created beings. We are forced to take birth as per the virtue and vice we, uh, through which we pass in our life. All the good deeds, all the bad deeds which we do, that the sanskar is created out of it, that impels us to take, take birth in a particular body. But he is Sambhubhuva. He has born independently, unlike other worldly creatures who take birth under the impulsion of virtue and vice. So that's why the Sambhubhuva, it is not just he has, he is born, he is born, but he is the born, he is born who is totally perfect. His manifestation is perfect because he is independent of uh, the so called good actions and bad actions. He transcends them. So Vishwasya Karta is the creator of the universe. As we were mentioning that it is a cosmic intelligence which finds expression as the universe. Brahman in association with the cosmic mind. From where the cosmic mind came from? Brahman. Because of ignorance, Brahma appears as Brahma. The Brahman appears as Brahma, as the cosmic intelligence. And once it appears as the cosmic intelligence, the entire creation is a projection of that cosmic intelligence. So he's the creator of the universe. Just the way when the white light falls on the prism, prism is like that cosmic intelligence. White light is the conscious principle. The white light in association with the prism breaks into the spectrum. Similarly, the ultimate consciousness out of ignorance when appears as this cosmic intelligence, now this consciousness in association with the cosmic intelligence breaks up into this world, into the spectrum of name and form, Nama Rupa. So that's why he's the creator, Vishyashya Karta, Bhuvanasya Gopta. He's the protector of the world after it is created. So even in modern science, you will find these ideas can be understood very, very nicely. When we say he's the protector of the world, what's the idea? You know, very interesting. So I mean, thousands of years back, these ideas were, this, 
were evolved. And where we find Brahma is called one who is Nishpalaka, animation. That our eyelids constantly, we will be just, it falls. For Brahma, his eyelids never fall. He is just looking without the eyelids, without the falling of the eyelids. That's what's animation. What it actually means. Now, even in the modern day quantum science, there are many ex- wonderful experiments. One is the double slit experiment. To find out the nature of electrons, that experiment was done. That whether the electron is an energy or it is matter. It's very interesting to say double slit experiment. If electron from the electron gun, the electron is shot through one screen, which has two slots. So then there's two slots are there through which are the electrons are, what you say this uh, sh- a shot through the electron gun, the electrons are shot. So now first, in the first screen, there are two slots, two slits. One slit is closed, the other slit is open. So what will happen? In the second screen, if electron is matter, you are going to get a spot. Just the way if anyone throws a ball, the ball enters a window and on the opposite wall, it goes and strikes, it will create a spot there. So if it's a matter, it will be a spot. And if it is not a matter, if it is a wave, suppose a wave of water enters through the window, will it form a spot? No, it will just splash. And the splash may have fringes that some so somewhere it may be uh, the water concentration may be more somewhere it may be less it will be splashing there won't be a spot so now when they kept the one slit open they found that as if a spot is formed in the second screen so immediately they thought that electron must be matter now when they opened both the slits and again the electron was shot was sprayed now they were really surprised. Now they were supposed to see two spots through through window, the matters are entering and should form spots in this, uh, in the second screen, two spots should be formed. Instead of that, they found fringes, light and dark fringes. So it happens when two waves intersperse. When the two waves are interspersing, intermingling, then what happens where the crest of one wave meets the crest of another wave, this wave gets intensified to create the so-called illumined patches and where the crest of one wave meets the trough of the other wave, it will be balanced and it will be creating dark patches. So they saw this, the fringe of light and dark patches, which speaks, it's a, it's a energy, it's in the form of wave. So they were really perplexed. If one slit is open, electron is behaving like matter. If both the slits are open, it is behaving like energy. So what's its real nature? So now the third experiment, see already two experiments was done. One experiment with one slit open, the second experiment with two slits open. The third experiment is interesting. They kept both the slits open, but they kept a camera on the first screen on which the two slits were there to see what's happening on the second screen. The moment they keep a camera and observe, now really it's a surprise. Now they see there are two spots. So when no one is seeing, the electron is behaving like energy, like probability. Energy speaks of probability, wave. Wave is a probability. The moment someone is observing, it collapses into reality. It becomes matter. So now it's a language of the science. What? That this world which I see as matter, solid matter, to find expression as something solid matter, someone has to observe. Only by observation, the probability can collapse into reality. Just to give an example, no teacher is there, the classroom, the children are all running around and making a lot of noise. The headmaster from his office, just to see what's going on, comes down the corridor and stands in front of the door of the classroom and he finds all the children are quiet. They're sitting in their own position. That's what the entire universe as if energy is chaotic to really find expression 
as the universe which we see, there is a need for an observation for the probability to collapse into reality. And if someone is not observing, again it's gone. So now you will understand why Brahma is animesha, constantly observing. And he is the protector of the entire creation. Just once he winks, gone, everything is gone. So this cosmic mind, who is the intelligence behind the creation, is something. We are using the modern scientific language just to have a feeling that these are not mere the imagination of some fertile brain thousands of years back. What the science is doing in the present with the external, all the uh, discoveries they are having, all the inventions and discoveries they are having by doing experiment on the external world. These rishis did it in, within them, with their own mind and went to the conclusion, which we are finding is almost simi is similar, is exactly the same with the modern science. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say a very interesting thing that we always welcome science. The more the science develops, the more the laws of the nature are discovered by the science. The Vedanta will stand on strong, on strong foundation. So that's the thing you will find if you can just relate the scientific discoveries, uh, how nicely he's a protector. These are the words we use, but you will find how wonderful this is. He's a creator. And after this, uh, this creation, he's the one who is animation. He's a constantly observing. And that's why Brahma has four heads. His entire creation. There's he for not for a moment, he can withdraw his well, what do you say this? He cannot, he can just withdraw his vision. He has to be the onlooker. That's why when there's a lot of stories, we won't go to the Puranic stories just now. When chance comes, we will say uh, that what these stories mean. Uh, we can give an indication that the Purana stories are actually or uh, very, they speak of some principle in all those uh, metaphorical language. This is a wonderful story that Shiva, who is Shiva? The manifested, the Virat is the Shiva, the manifested universe. Now, he, the Shiva, the manifestation, this is the one who is the entire universe, the Virata. He was extremely dissatisfied with the creation. Disease, death, everything he's seeing there, the sorrow through which the creatures are going through. Seeing that he had an idea that the notion came, this is, this creation is not perfect. It's an imperfect creation. That's why we find in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna in one place, Narendranath, whom we think is a manifestation of Shiva, almost the same language he's speaking. There was some discussion going on and what Narendranath was saying was very interesting. The scheme of the universe is devilish. I would have created a better world. So that's what he was saying. So the Shiva was also saying the same thing. So Ashoka, this is everything seems to be full of sorrow. And he went to complain to Brahma. And when he was saying that your creation is not perfect, Brahma, not even not for a single moment, noticed Shiva. He was as if engrossed in his own creation. He was as if totally engrossed. She, that made Shiva very angry. Not only that, he was engrossed in his creation and after uh, Shiva told that your creation is imperfect, suddenly the fifth head popped up. That made Shiva feel that Brahma is arrogant. He's giving no importance to his word. And that enraged him. And out of anger, he uprooted the fifth head of Brahma. Brahma shouted in pain, what are you doing? And then Shiva says that you are not giving any importance to my words. He told, I cannot. I have to be animation. The creation won't, won't be sustained. He has to be constantly looking at the creation. And then the next thing he told, that what you see as sorrow is not because of the creation. Creation is all the sufferings which the 
living entities have experience is the way they react to that existence. Existence is neither bliss nor sorrow. It is just is. How you react to that fact of life, that entails happiness in life or misery. And now Shiva understood the words of Brahma. And that made him go into deep meditation. And from that contemplation, the realization came where he found the entire creation vanished. He's actually one with that absolute reality, the Brahman. And that's why Shiva, when came out from the realization, started dancing by chanting Hara Hara Vyoma Vyoma. What it means? That when you go to that absolute realization, when the prism has been removed, the spectrum again merges with that white light. Creation is not there. Hara means to seize. Vyoma means vacuum. The entire creation, he is now totally merged in his real absolute identity of his real, with his real self. And that gives a tremendous joy. And in that joy, he's dancing, saying, Hara, Hara, Vyoma. That creation actually is not there. It has ceased to exist in my realization. Everything is just Vyoma. It's just vacuum, it's space. The only thing which is truth is the absolute reality. Now, because of ignorance, Brahma, to sustain the creation, has to constantly be observing his creation as an animation. And that's how he's Bhuvanasya Gopta. Is a protector of the entire universe. But what is the plan of the creation? Swami Vivekananda in one place very nicely has explained that if Brahman is all perfect, what is the need of creation? So Swamiji is giving a very nice allegory. He says, see, that I can see the entire universe, but I cannot see my own face. To see my own face, I need a mirror. That how you look, someone may say, oh, you're, you're extremely handsome. But to realize that I'm really handsome, I have to have a mirror. So for the absolute reality to realize himself, he needs the mirror. The entire creation is the mirror. Just when I want to see my face, first I go to some water, which is, which is, which is turgid, turgid water. I see just the outline. It is not the exact reflection. So I'm not satisfied. So what I do, I try to find some water which is transparent, clean. I see a better reflection. And then I go to some shining metal, still better. Then most probably at last I get a mirror and where I see my exact reflection and I'm satisfied. So the creation is actually, Swamiji is saying, because to realize his own nature, He's already perfect. Just the way you may be very handsome, but you don't know. You need a mirror. So he's already perfect to realize his perfection, this creation. So creation and the way out. You have to cleanse the mirror to see your own image and then to be satisfied and again get established in your real nature. So you need this clean mirror. You have to have the chitta shuddhi. The chitta is the mirror in which the Brahman will be exactly as if manifested, reflected. So this process of cleansing the chitta so that you can get established in your re real nature is the Brahma Vidya. So the Brahma, the first uh, cosmic intelligence, the first evolute of creation, in him, both the things are there. He creates, after all the purpose of the creation is Brahman's uh, realization of his own nature. He is perfect, but to know that. So within the plan of the universe, the process of liberation is also programmed. It is already there. And that's what the Brahma is having in his mind as the Adi Guru. So that's why he is the one who is the ancient teacher of the Brahma Vidya. After the creation, you we are all bound to move out to the creation. 
this creation, the story of the creation, even in Bible, we find a story of the prodigal child. It speaks the same language that God is all love. In another way, in another way it is interpreted that God is all knowledge, God is all love. But God is all love, God is all bliss. But to realize that bliss, you need to, through the communion, through love, only you can enjoy the bliss. Now, Brahman, to enjoy his own bliss, for he was one, he created many. So that he can enjoy the bliss of communion. But the next question comes, if that's so, why we are not programmed in such a way that we love God, we are devoted to the divine, why we get distracted by the world. So again, so to, a love is such a thing, but it comes from the communion between the two. Two souls come and there's a bliss. But that should happen as per choice. If I know the other being has been programmed in such a way that it is bound to love me, love me, I will be assured of the fact that it is not a living being. It is just an intelligence, artificial intelligence. It is just a robot which has been programmed to love me. Love is not possible. If possible, you see the movie Artificial Intelligence where this fact will become palpable. That the science has become so developed where uh, robots are developed, they look exactly like human and they've been programmed with unconditional love. But the one who purchases never feels that it is something which is lovable because he or she knows it is a machine. It has been programmed to love you. So if God would have created us in such a way that we are bound to love him, he wouldn't have experienced that love. So gave us the choice. You may, you may not. And he has created this universe to find a distraction, to move out. But at the same time, it is imperfect. You can never get happiness out of it. At last, you are bound to get tired and to turn around. Today, tomorrow, sometime, we have to turn around and search for our creator. And the God is eternally waiting. We say we are waiting for God. He doesn't give us vision. It is actually the opposite. It is he who is waiting for us when we really turn around. Once we turn around, it is he who will come running. That's the story of the prodigal child. The rich man had two sons. The elder son was obedient. The younger son wanted to be free, wanted the share of his property and wanted to be free. The father had to yield to his request. The rich man had to yield to his request. But in no time, the younger boy became a pauper. He wasted his the share of his wealth. And now again, the thought of his father came. But he was full of fear that most probably he will be rejected. He will be kicked out. But as there was no way out, he returned to the village. Father seeing him from a distance, it is the father who ran. Instead of kicking him, he was kicking him out. He was embraced. He was brought back to home and there was a huge feast to celebrate the son's homecoming. The story in the Bible. This speaks of the creation, its sustenance, as well as the Brahma Vidya, which is inherent. He has kept there because he knows very well we all will turn around today or tomorrow. And this Brahma Vidya is the thing which has to embrace us, to bring us back to our father. So this Brahma in him is embedded, that Brahma Vidya. Sah, Praha, Brahma Vidya. This is the Brahma Vidya with which he is instructing his ancient teacher to his own son. So that through the lineage, this Vidya is propagated to the humankind whenever who feels totally frustrated with the ways of life and turns around, this Vidya is there for him. So to speak of the lineage, this Vidya is not something which is the product of the imagination of the human brain. It is coming from the creator. This sloka is indicating that this Upanishad, which we are going to study, is actually being imparted by the 
cosmic intelligence as a Brahma, which has been imparted through the lineage, through the spiritual lineage, which comes to us. And what is that Sarva Vidya Pratishtha? Yenasrutam has, has been indicated in Chandogya Upanishad. Yenasrutam Srutam Bhavatya Matam Amatam Matam Avigyatam Vigyatam Iti. So by which the teaching by which what is never heard becomes heard, what is never thought, that becomes a thought, what is never known becomes known. So what's that? That there is something which is as an essence underlying the entire creation. Through the discussion in the Upanishads in a simple way, they say, in the same Chandogya Upanishad, as a reference, what is the Sarva Vidya Pratishtha? Why it is called Sarva Vidya Pratishtha? That it is as if the foundation of all knowledge, because from Brahman the entire creation came. And that's a wonderful example. Allegory has been given in the Chandogya Upanishad. Yatha Somya Ekena Mritpindena Sarva Sarvang Mrinmayang Vigyatam Syat Vacharambhanam Vikara Namadheyam Mrittika Ityeva Satyam. Just the way all the potter is made of clay. As per their shape, they may have different name. Some I may call plate, some I may call tumbler, some I may call pot. There will be various names for them as per the shape. But in essence, they are all mrittika, the clay. Similarly, know it for certain, all the name and form which you are seeing is just vacha ramhana, is just mere words. It's actually just name and form. In essence, as mrittika, they are all same. So in essence, the world of name and form, whatever you see, is the consciousness and consciousness alone. Consciousness is the fundamental of which the entire creation is the projection. If we find in the olden days, the science they used to say that matter is the phenomenon, matter and energy is the phenomenon, and consciousness is epiphenomenon. Somehow, accidentally, by the conglomeration of matter, consciousness evolved. But in the very first mantra itself, it has been indicated here that consciousness alone is the phenomenon. Everything else is the epiphenomenon. Is from the consciousness, this universe has evolved. To make this, what we have discussed today, to make it something substantial, that it is we are not speaking something nonsense. I will just quote some of the very famous scientists, the Erwin Scrodinger, his quotation I will just uh, quote today. What he's saying is something wonderful. You'll see he's just speaking Vedanta. Consciousness is a singular of which the plural is unknown. Consciousness is a singular of which the plural is unknown. That there is only one thing and that what seems to be a plurality is merely a series of different aspects of this one thing produced by a deception. So is exact words of Erwin Schrodinger. The ignorance is produced by a deception, that ignorance, a series of various aspects of that one thing. In his uh, same, in this Scrodinger's language, the plurality of sensitive beings is mere appearance, maya. In Sanskrit, we say maya, they're saying it's mere appearance. In reality, they're all only aspects of the one being. So this is a thing which you'll find this loka has been substantiated by the modern findings of the quantum science, the quantum physics. This is the language of the all the scientists, the quantum scientists, this is language of Erwin Schrodinger. So that's the thing. So that's the see, the Upanishad starts with that. Just to say, this is the knowledge which has not came out from just mere imagination or some mere doctrines and dogmas formulated by some human brain. It is the knowledge which is imbibed in the very first creation in the form of the cosmic mind. It is there so that it can be availed by one who is ready for it. So with this, the first mantra speaks of that holy tradition which to which this Upanishad belongs. So with this, 
we stop our discussion today. We'll continue with the study of the Upanishad again in the next class. Next Thursday, of course, uh, we won't have Upanishad class because next Thursday is the Kali Puja, Diwali. So we will have our uh, Kali Puja uh, online celebration, of course, because still uh, the lockdown is not fully relaxed, not fully relaxed for having a congregation here. So it will be online. So uh, we in just uh, invite you all, request you all to join the online Kali Puja celebration next Thursday. The following Thursday again, we'll continue with the study of the Upanishad. So thank you all. Namaskars.